You're listening to Foreseeable, a production of Globalization, the flagship digital platform of Singapore's Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy. Each episode, we invite an expert for a conversation relating to their field of study or experience and to find out what they foresee happening in the future. What is public policy? It has often been broadly defined as a set of actions the government decides to take when approaching a problem that affects society as a group. When globalization decided to explore the question of public policy and its impact on Singapore, one faculty member stood out as the perfect person to speak with to get their input. Lim Xiong Guan is a professor in practice at the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy, instructing on leadership and change management, and his depth of experience is impressive. He was the head of the Singapore Civil Service from 1999 to 2005. He has been the permanent secretary of the Ministry of Defense, the Prime Minister's Office, the Ministry of Education, and the Ministry of Finance. He has also served as chairman of the Singapore Economic Development Board, the Inland Revenue Authority of Singapore, the Accounting and Corporate Regulatory Authority, and the Central Provident Fund Board. And these are just a few of his accomplishments. We were very lucky to have a few minutes to discuss what is public policy. From that perspective, and now sitting at the school or Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy, what do you think of when you think of the term public policy? Is that even too broad a term, or do, what does it mean to you? Oh, to me, uh, public policy is whatever the government takes on, which affects the lives of people. I don't make any distinction in my mind between what is public policy and what is government policy. The only thing is that you can study public policy in school, like Lee Kuan Yew School, and sometimes not think too much about execution. Whereas when the government comes up with a policy, it has to think very clearly about execution. I think in a uh, way run a government, implementation is policy. They don't care what you wrote to the cabinet at the end of the day. Okay. It's how the public experiences that policy which mm-hmm. defines the policy. Mm-hmm. That something which government has to bear in mind all the time. What in public policy school, we can study all the various permutations and decide all the various possibilities, which is good because you want to make informed decisions, but sometimes you forget the execution part of it. There's the other aspect of government also, which is that you're in a position where sometimes you have to make decisions without knowing all the facts. You have to make decisions without knowing everything, as happens in COVID-19, that you are having to make decisions along the way while you are discovering things as you go. And sometimes you discover the things because you've decided to do something that you discover more about the effectiveness or otherwise of, of what you're trying to do. And that again is something which public policy schools has to think a lot about. Mm-hmm. While as a student, you may have the privilege to keep analyzing the case. But when you run a government, sometimes you don't have that. Uh, sometimes you're just driven by the crisis on your hand. You cannot consult endlessly or you lose the people's confidence in your ability to be. You have to take decisions even when you don't know all the facts you wish you had to make an informed decision. There can never be a decision that gets 100% support. We'll always have cynics and skeptics. It's good enough to simply have a significant majority on your side. But what is it like in the government when you're in that decision-making process, knowing that you have the responsibility of implementing it as well? You have to start off deciding what is it that you're trying to address. And and to me, I think the first question you, you have to actually ask yourself is, are you trying to bring in a policy which is long-term, which is orientation, 
because the primary purpose of policy is to assure the survivability and sustainability of success for the country. You have to decide whether you're thinking long term or is this a policy that you are bringing in just to address a crisis which is on hand. If you have a crisis on hand, you better go solve the crisis or at least manage the crisis. So what, what are you trying to do? You need to be very clear. And once you're clear about what is it that you're trying to do, it helps you a lot in, in what is it that you're trying to do. Formulate. Mm-hmm. A big challenge for government, as I said, is you have to decide whether you're working on the long-term basis or the short-term. Long-term has tremendous challenges. The most critical of which is that the government is trying to do something which in a good number of instances, the public itself cannot appreciate, cannot visualize. If there's a crisis on hand, the public knows there's a crisis and the government is reacting to that crisis for which the public can only make a judgment as to whether the government is making sensible decisions or not. But if the government is trying to do something which is good for 20 years down, 30 years down, that's a different game because the public may not appreciate what you're trying to do. In a sense, the public elected you hoping that you do that job for them because they can't do it. Government certainly has more resources to be able to do it. Not that they can do it perfectly, you can't even tell what the world is going to be like two years from now or one year from now. I mean, what about 30 years from now? For example, if you look at education, if you look at education, starting that day from kindergarten, you have two years kindergarten, six years primary school, six years secondary school, that, that brings you to 14. And then two years in junior college, that brings you 16 years. It takes you four years to get a university degree, that takes you 20 years. So you have to change here when you try to decide education policy. You're making a minimum 20-year decision. And when a graduate comes out of university, you don't even know what you're getting until you see how it performs on the job. So you're making a 25-year decision, a 30-year decision. How do you tell the public, this is what I'm trying to do because we think this is important 20 years down the road? So similarly, we go into defense systems. Any major defense system is minimally 10-year look into the future. That becomes ridiculous. And if you try to justify that by naming a potential enemy, you make an enemy. So, <laughs> so how do you do that? These days about social media, a lot of people have a lot of comments, but a lot of the time they're just commenting for somebody else to do the job. They're not commenting on the basis of, I'm going to try to solve. Mm-hmm. If you turn on to them and say, so what ideas do you have? And they say, look, it's not my job to have ideas for you. It's your job. Mm-hmm. So that makes it difficult. That makes it challenging. But at the same time, they recognize that is the job of government. If the government does a good job setting the foundations for the future, if you say, I'm trying to build something here, it's a policy um, that is good for 20 years and that's good for 30 years. If you are right, you'll be in good time for the future. If you fail to do it, you're in serious trouble. How do you face that challenge of decision that takes 20 years to see if you were right or right or wrong? Being clear in your mind, what is it that you're trying to do is so terribly important. Let's say if you work on something which is 20 years, of course, you're going to review that at least every five years. You're going to have to make mid-course corrections. But it's the clarity of the objective that helps you make the mid-course corrections. If you have the clarity of where you're trying to get to, virtually everything can be measured, either in terms of the outcomes you're looking for along the way, and a review every so often to sort of say, is this leading me to where I need to get to? Or if you can't measure it directly in terms of the outcomes, you can always measure it indirectly through surveys, mm-hmm. through checking with other practitioners. Virtually everything can be measured if you You just have to set your mind to it.
Mm-hmm. Because as they say, you know, if you if you don't measure it, people are just not going to take it seriously. A lot of people are caught with the idea of you have to measure it directly. But then a lot of these attitudes of the public, perceptions, self-confidence of the public, and then you enter in a lot more in terms of indirect measures. Mm-hmm. Do you have an example of one policy that you could explain that you were clear at, at the beginning and then you set out and achieved the goals? For example, total defense, when I was in Ministry of Defense. And there are two things that we had to do, right? One is how do you build up the morale, the motivation of the people in the Singapore forces? You can say anything about technology and so forth. The people who think about the technology, the people who operate the technology, they are all people. So one important thing that we did in Ministry of Defense is how, how do you build up the self-confidence? How do you build up a sense of purpose? And particularly since you run a National Service Army. We had quite a major public campaign, and that was the first time any government ministry has ever used the mass media for purposes of promoting a public image. And that is where they came with this slogan called, there's a part for everyone. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And, mm-hmm. and what it did, it really is to say that uh, you need to be good enough to be in the army. And why the army is so important. So you better be grateful for all these national servicemen instead of saying they're wasting two years. They're not. It building up the capacity to uh, be an effective deterrent. Keeping the peace is so important for you to succeed in economic development. You will get foreign investors coming in. You're really not so sure about the capacity of the country to assure peace and security for their investments. That's something. A national service army is totally dependent on the morale and let's say the, the determination of the public. So if the public doesn't support, you can't expect national servicemen to be supporting and going in, standing up for the country. And yet that's such an important part of what you're trying to achieve, which is about a respected enough defense force that can achieve the effective deterrence that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's long-term policy, which is why total defense is still there, it's still mm-hmm. running. I know you are, have been out of the government for a while, but how do you see them keeping up with the times? Okay, big advantage that we have, two things I would say, is that I think we need to understand that Singaporeans by and large have an instinctive sense of vulnerability. You're small in a region of the world, like Giorgio in a recent speech said, we're small, but you're in a region of the world with large neighbors. Mm-hmm. We are different because we're highly urbanized. We are different because in terms of economic development, you are hit. How do you assure your survival and how do you assure your sustainability of success? Mm-hmm. So that's one point. This intrinsic sense of vulnerability. And the second thing, very important, is national service. It's quite remarkable. And at some point, I've been able to maintain the institution of national service in a way that many countries all over the world have had to cut back. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you would want to say from the perspective of a, a young student entering the schools? What should they be trying to learn while they're here? I would say that they should be coming here because they want to do good for the country and their people. That's why in this business, we're not in the business saying that this is a nice area to study academically. I believe that the Singapore government is one which tries to be as objective as possible, try to be as rational as possible in the policies it adopts. So I'm hoping that if students choose up here, that they find a living example, they find an opportunity to ask questions about if what you are saying is so good, how come they're not doing it in Singapore? Or, or how is it your conclusion is not coming in Singapore? It's a political culture. Whether you think 
is government just simply in the business of responding to public concerns? Or is the government in the business of shaping the way the public understands the future? That's a big difference. So here again, if you're thinking just on next general election, you don't think too much about this. But if you think of more than next general election, you think about the long term, then reshaping the views of the public becomes very important. And the reshaping of the views fundamentally is because you're addressing a mental model. Frankly, the parents of today have succeeded purely because of hard work, studying hard, build up their skills. Then you ask the question, is that enough for the future? If it's enough for the future, nice. The parents are going to shape the way the kids are. If it's not good enough for the future, then the parents will not be enough for the kids. That's the kind of question that you have to think about in government. Thank you so much. Wonderful. If you'd like to subscribe to the Globalization Newsletter, look for the link in the description or find us on Facebook at Global is Asian. <laughs>